Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 7 and read through verse 12. We're in a uh, series of messages with this overarching thought of rooted, being rooted in your wealth. Um, uh, you know, a great tragedy for a believer in Christ is to go through their life as a child of God and not know the wealth that their Heavenly Father has bestowed upon them in this life. And um, the devil tries to uh, persuade us that we are not rich in the Lord, but I'm thankful that we have His Word to remind us how rich we truly are. And uh, it's, always, it's a joy to be able to preach through this and remind us all who are believers in Jesus that, that, that we are rich by His grace. And as we've seen this reoccurring phrase, in Him, in Him. And uh, last week we dealt with our blessings from the Father and uh, how uh, encouraging that was, really empowering that was. Uh, tonight we're going to be looking at our blessings from Jesus, our blessings from the Son, okay? And then uh, later, later we will be looking at our blessings from the Spirit. Now, as we look at these, I don't want you to come to this thought that, you know, uh, each one's blessings just, you know, they're all independent from one another. Uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit are one, so keep that in mind. They are, it's, he's a triune God, and, but we find each one... Uh, they're, they're, I guess you would say, lack of a better term, uh, con contributing, or all them three working together as one being uh, to make you rich, uh, and uh, spiritually speaking, and uh, just um, he has he's had your welfare in mind since eternity, and uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit all take part in this, and um, we want to look particularly at the Son. In these few verses. So uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. If you're there say amen. I don't know if I was supposed to. Uh, I guess I was supposed to read this. Or is this I've already read it. It's opened. I just now saw this. Let's see. Okay I don't guess I have read this. I apologize. Was this just put up here? Oh, okay, okay. I don't know if I was supposed to read it, but I'll read it now. <laughs> um, Clear Springs Missionary Baptist Church, uh, thank you for the card, love, and prayers sent our way during this difficult time. Sincerely, is it, wi oh, um, is it Will and, Will and, is that G-I-R-E-T-A? Yes. Say that again. Okay, that's what I was going to say. It. I just I wouldn't wouldn't sure. Will and Greta Harris. Okay. 
So uh, there's a thank you. All right, I didn't want to make sure I overlooked that. Just now caught it as I was reading. So, all right. And I also, church, I posted the other two thank you letters uh, no, or cards in the back. So you can read those if you'd like to again. All right, Ephesians chapter seven, verse chapter one, verse seven says, "In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins." According to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom uh, and prudence. Okay? Um, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven. And which are on earth, even in him, uh, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. And Father, help us to... Glean from these, these verses tonight the blessings that we have been given um, by Christ. What He has done for us. And Father, I pray tonight as we learn more about our riches, which has been made possible by Your grace, that it would take us uh, to a, a, a better point of praise, that we would praise You even more, praise You more purely Um, our praise can only be according to knowledge and so we thank you for what we're going to learn tonight that it would condition our praise to even to be more glorifying to your precious name thank you for Christ and how he has blessed us and father I ask you to help me again to disappear from the stage lord that only your voice would be heard and I pray all of this in the name of my savior Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, Amen. So your blessings from Jesus. Um, I want to read from uh, the hymn writer uh, Cecil F. Alexander. Talking about Jesus. And he, he says this, um, There were no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us sin. I want us to know tonight that Jesus is the one that has made the way for us to be in heaven with the Father and with Himself. And what a joy it is. Um, I want us to really focus on Christ in this message. And really what I have for you is, is four things that we see are blessings to you. And I, and I think about that oftentimes. Blessings to me. Well, who am I? I'm a nobody, but I'm a nobody who has been loved by Christ. And I've never got over that, and we're going to talk about that Savior and how He has blessed us through His work um, on our behalf. So let's just dig right in. I want us to see, as we look at verse 7, I want us to see your blessing of redemption. Look at verse 7. In whom we have what? You say it to me. Redemption, okay? And what does redeem mean? Let's, let's define this term. 
Redeem means to purchase and set free by paying a price. You go back in the time, in those days, in the first century, the uh, Rome had, as it's been estimated, to have about 60 million slaves. Okay, at that time, and really, as you can go, and many of those were treated just really no better than a piece of furniture. They were slaves. They were in bondage. Right? They were. They had a price. On their head. However, a slave could be bought just for the fact of letting them go free. The purpose of they, a slave could be bought just simply to set them free. Can I tell you something? That's exactly what Jesus did. Um, he knew that we would be in bondage of sin, and Jesus simply bought us to set us free. And the Bible says that if we are free in Christ, we are free indeed. We are completely free from the bondage of sin. Now let me just, in saying that, we talk about free, we talk about this redemption, being made free. Uh, Jesus paid our price on the cross and made us free, but freed from what? Um, I want you to turn to Romans 6, before we even look at Romans 6, I want to mention this. I think I have this verse on the screen for you that we have been we have been made free from the law. The law of God. We read in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul writing to the church of Galatia, he said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the, the, the freedom wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Want us to know there, you know. The Bible tells us that God, in His, in his perfect nature, uh, he, he gave humanity His law, which was revealed to them that, hey, I am perfect, I am holy, I am righteous, um, you are not. To tell us that we have fallen short. And so therefore, we've had this law looming over us and on our shoulders. Wouldn't it be terrible to think you would go through life with such a heavy weight on your shoulders you could not bear, but you had to bear it regardless. It was on you, and there was no way to alleviate that off of you. That would be a, you know, a terrible thing to think about. But Jesus, in His love and, and, and mercy and His grace, came, and from what He did on the cross, He lifted that weight. He lifted that weight. What do you think physically if, if, if someone put... Just 100 pounds or, or, or 500 pounds or whatever on your shoulder and say, hey, only you, you're going to have to bear this for the rest of your life. It's just, it's just your weight. And it's true, we deserve for that to be our weight. But Christ and His love is what grace is, giving us something we don't deserve, came and He lifted that weight. He's able to bear it, and He did, and He did it for us. The law, He lived the law of God perfectly. That's how when we come to Christ, put our faith and trust in Him, dear friends, we, we um, as Christ said, uh, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. Take my yoke upon you, right? His yoke is a yoke of freedom. And He, he gave us that. So we are freed from the law. And, uh, but also say slavery um, to sin. And I've asked you to turn there, and I'm going to turn there myself, Romans chapter 6. And only Christ has done this. Only Christ himself. Romans chapter 6, you look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is what? Freed from what? 
from sin, died with Christ on the cross. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death had no, no more dominion over him. There's no more bondage. There's no more weight of sin. No more ownership of sin on me. Uh, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But he that liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of, the, of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Ain't that a blessing? Shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under, you said the last word, grace. That's what this is all about. How we are made rich by His grace. And so we, we, we learn this truth about sin. Before we were under its weight, we were slaves to sin. But by the power of Christ and what He's done through His redeeming work on the cross, dear friend, we are no more slaves to sin. It's, 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 it's an amazing thing. For him to tell me as his child that I can reckon myself dead to sin. Sin is a strong thing. Temptation is a strong thing. But my Savior is far stronger. And because my faith rests in Christ and I've been redeemed by his blood, I have now been made rich, rich in the sense that I'm able to say no to sin. I'm able to live outside of the bondage of sin. I'm able to please my Savior. Folks, listen, the only reason you can please Christ is through Christ. Do you understand that? You've been made rich spiritually. If the God that has saved you, you're able to please Him because He's empowered you to do that through His redeeming work. It's not that He sent you into this world... Right? Now that you're born again, say, hey, you know, try to please me. You won't be able to because you can't. No, he's given us, through his redeeming work, the ability to say no to sin. You don't owe me anymore. I'm living for Jesus. It's a great thing to know that I'm empowered to do that. Because he's worthy of our life lived for him. Amen? To, to please him with our life. And it's only because of Jesus that I'm no longer a slave to sin. Sin is what separated man from God. Sin uh, is the very reason Christ had to die on the cross. Sin is the very thing that causes men to be rebels and enemies of God. But because of Christ, man is able to be pulled out from under that slavery. Be right with God and live pleasingly to God. Now Satan loves uh, for people to remain under his rule, under his bondage. But even through Christ, that's another thing that we're freed from, is from the power of Satan. Galatians 1.4, notice this verse. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us, okay, so redemption, from this present evil wor world according to the will of God and our Father. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 13 and 14, you'll see this verse come up again later, but it says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Folks, before I trusted Christ, I was, I was a child of the devil. That's what the Bible says. Either you're a 
child of God, we're a child of the devil. And, and, and folks, it is, it's, just, it's always just an amazing thing that I'm able to wake up every day and say, I am a child of the king. The devil doesn't own me any, anymore. Where the devil's going eventually, I'm not going, right? He's not my king. He's not my Lord. He, he cannot have rule over me. God, my Savior, my, my Lord, dictates what he can or cannot do. It's, it's, it's a great thing to know that I'm living with, with, uh, in his grace. And, 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 the, and the devil has no power over me. But I'll tell you this, dear Christian. A lot of times Satan will try to make you think that he's got you cornered and there's no way out. The devil ever make you feel that way? He's tempted you and he's lured you and you've stumbled and, and fought a little bit in your Christian life. And now he, th- he makes you think that he's got you cornered. But the Bible tells me that my God never allows me to be in a moment where I don't have a way of escape. And who provided that? Jesus. Jesus provided that through his redeeming work of the cross. And you think about that, though. Some, some people might say, really? One life. One life was able to separate humanity from all of that? One life? I mean, it takes armies. It takes soldiers and tanks and, 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 and infantry and all these just to, just to deliver people, uh, uh, countries from tyrants. But one person can deliver the world from all of these things? Really? How is that? Well, the amazing thing about Jesus is this, is that what we needed, dear friend, was something called eternal life. Something that we needed was eternal life. Everything about you, everything about mortal man is finite. And you cannot take a finite being and produce anything eternal. Because you're finite. Finite can only produce finite things. Does that make sense? Only the eternal can produce anything eternal. Folks, that's exactly why the eternal, perfect, righteous Savior of heaven had to come down and be put into finite flesh. That's the, that is the, 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 the miracle of the virgin birth. Now we have the infinite, the eternal, perfect Savior in finite flesh. That is how, yes, One individual was able to provide eternal life to the finite human race. It took the divine, the perfection of heaven to come down. You know, to to, to think that humanity could provide something eternal would almost be like taking cold ashes and producing an eternal hot flame. They're not gonna, it's not going to happen. You can't, produce, uh, you can't produce even a temporary uh, hot flame with cold ashes. They're ashes. They're, 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 they're finite. You think about, it's like taking numbers uh, and trying to count to infinity. Trying to take all the numbers that we have and add them all together and produce eternity. Produce an in, you know, uh, uh, infinity. You keep adding numbers, you still have a bookend to that number you just got to. There's a number after that and a number before that. What I want you to understand is that it took an infinite life to give you infinite eternal life. Jesus gave that life. And so there is sufficient grace to save all who will repent and believe. 1 Peter chapter 1, 
In verse 18 and 19, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversations, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Christ gets all the glory to the riches of redemption. He's delivered you. He's saved you. He's freed you. And it took Him doing that because He is the infinite. He's the eternal Son of God. Now I'm so thankful for that. But not only we see this blessing, go back to our text, the blessing of redemption, we see the blessing of forgiveness. You look at verse 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, can you imagine this for a moment? Can you imagine having a God who is perfectly just, perf- uh, perfect in his morality, he's just, he is holy, he is all-powerful, he is all-righteous, but he's not loving. Can you imagine what that would be like? Now, there would be no Calvary. That's what that would be like. Sometimes we need to sort of pump the brakes and think about what if Calvary never existed. What if God was all those things but not loving, not forgiving, not merciful? Now, we don't serve a God who is, is absent of mercy and grace, right? We have a God who is loving. He is, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So we know who He is in that sense. But can you imagine Him not having love for you? We would be in a bad way. We would be men most miserable, as the Scripture says. And that is why we must praise Jesus for His grace. That's why forgiveness is provided. What does forgiveness mean? Forgiveness means to carry away. I asked you a question this morning. How far was Jesus' arms spread on Calvary? Well, they were, they were spread all the way to the right and all the way to the left. And so to forgive means to carry away. If you study the Old Testament much, I, I go back and I think about the Jewish Day of Atonement. And um, when the high, pra- high, the high priest, excuse me, would send the scapegoat into the wilderness. Now, there would, would, would be two goats. One would be, would be sacrificed, and we know that the blood would be taken in, in and uh, would be given as a, a, a sacrifice. And, but then the priest would come back out, and he would, he would speak the sins of the people on that scapegoat. And then that goat would be taken out to the wilderness to be lost. In other words, we see this beautiful picture of forgiveness. That was all pointing toward Jesus as the one who would take away. This, take away. What does that mean? To take away. Not just, to, 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 you know, not just for a little while, right? Or just for 10 years or for 10 miles. But to take away. To take away our sin. Our guilt. To take away our guilt. And so that scapegoat would be taken out in the wilderness and would be left lost. And that is what Jesus came and fulfilled. He took your sin to the cross to lose it on Calvary, to, 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 to get rid of it. Amen. To cast as far as the east is from the west. He paid the debt. Psalm 103 in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far, uh, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Who done that? Jesus did that. 
that's why there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's one name. It's because of Him we have this rich blessing called forgiveness. John said it so well. And John, John the Baptist, uh, John chapter 1 verse 29, the, uh, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That all converges on Jesus. And really when you take time and you think about how nasty your sin really is. I think sometimes maybe we may think that maybe our sin that day wasn't that bad. But please remember, every, every sin that's ever been committed or will be committed um, brought the lashes to the body of Christ, the crown of thorns upon His brow, the ridicule, um, the cross, all the pain and agony. Dear friend, any amount of sin, any amount of sin, dear friend, is, um, is, is, is horrible. Our sin is, is truly, and not just, the, not just the level of our sin, but the, the amount of our sin. Folks, none of you could count on your hands and feet how much sin that's been in your life. You can't count it. It's innumerable. Then let that take you to appreciate forgiveness, right? None of you deserve to be forgiven. Not a one of you, including me. But Jesus. But Jesus. We have been made rich by His redemption. And it says the forgiveness of sins. And I think that's why even Paul said, I read this earlier, but I want to focus on that verse 14, Colossians 1 and verse 14. This is, I think, no wonder Paul said it this way. He said, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Paul understood how nasty his life was. He knew how unforgivable he was. He knew the kind of wretch that he was. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And he said, he, he has redeemed us, even forgiven us of our sins. If you want your worship and praise to be more for Jesus, think about how, much, how, much, how, how, value, how valuable his forgiveness really is. Folks, this right here, learning this, dear friend, is going to help you worship Jesus better. It is. You will never worship Jesus the way you should without understanding what he's done for you. Learning about Jesus will take your worship higher. But notice verse 8. I love what he says. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. What does the word abounded mean? Abounded means to shower you. To shower you with forgiveness. He, he truly has done that. And even First John tells us, even as Christians, believers, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, right? He says, if you've committed sin, what are we to do? Confess our sins to Him, and He's faithful and just to forgive us. That's a promise. There's not a day that you go, there's not a day that you live, there's not a second that you live that forgiveness is not available. And the only one who provided that was Jesus Christ Himself. Praise God to His name for forgiveness. Not only that, but we see there's a blessing of revelation. Read a little bit further. I, I love this because uh, this gets in, 
uh, to, to, I think, days to come. Okay? Um, you look at verse uh, 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in who? In Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. You know, you know, there were things not even fully understood in Paul's day about the mystery. Not something mystical, but just a, just sort of a sacred secret. Some things that hadn't quite been revealed. We live in the most understanding time that anybody has. We have the, the, the full canon of Scripture and we're able to understand even more that others had not the privilege to understand and it tells us here there's going to be a time that all things are going to be brought in, into one. All things in Christ. Amen. Dear friend, the believer is able to learn this very truth that Jesus Christ is going to resolve all things in himself. Think about this world. This world is, been sl- is being slowly destroyed by sin, isn't it? Sin. The world, you know, man has done a good job what seems to be allowing this world to fall apart. Now, God's sovereign on, on the throne. I get that. But, man, this world is a pretty dark place. There's a lot of things going south. Morality and holiness and reverence to God seems to be thrown out the window in a lot of ways. We, we, I mean, look, you go back to Genesis 3. Man was separated from God. Go back to Genesis 4. Man was separated from man. Cain killed Abel. We see all this separation, sin and pride, all these things. All that is done is brought separation. Separation from God and separation from man. There's pride. There is selfishness. There is greed. There's all these things. And all that takes you to be a rebel toward God and a rebel toward one another. It's just about me. It's about what I can get. It's about my pleasure. It's about my life. That's what's happened in this world. And as long as man tries to create unity in just man's ways, there'll never be true unity. There'll never be true, there'll never be true peace. But we find here to Jesus' inner circle, those that are born again, children of God, and the Spirit has given us His Word, it tells us that there's going to be a time that all things will be gathered in one which, uh, excuse me, in verse 10, it says, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, whether things in heaven or things on earth. Everything's going to be made right. Everything's going to be made pure. We understand that everything's going to be converging on Christ. I think about all the blessings in Christ to, uh, to come. Christ is simply going to sum up everything. He's going to do that. That's a promise that we have in Him. Isaiah 24 and verse 21, listen. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. So folks, there is not a king or tyrant or devil or, or demon or, 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 or whatever, heaven or, heaven or earth, Jesus Christ is going to sum it all up. He's going to take care of it. 
Until then, we live here by the power of His Spirit and we live as lights in a dark world. But dear friend, it's amazing. Here's some riches. Jesus has given us insight that He's going to take care of all things one day. It's great to live with that truth, isn't it? I belong to the one who has the power to make everything right. And He's going to do it. I get to live with that truth. I, I belong to that Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going, to get, I'm going to be with him and watch him get it done. Every believer gets to do that. What an amazing thing that is. So we see this blessing of revelation, right? Made known unto us his will about this. Not only that, I'll leave you with this last thought. Your blessing of inheritance. You read a little bit further. It says, in whom? Also, right, in Christ, we have obtained a what? An inheritance. Notice this. Being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. That's a comforting thought because remember my God is just and holy and righteous, but He's loving He's caring. He's a compassionate God. So after the counsel of his own will is a reassuring, settling, and peaceful thing to keep in mind. It's an amazing thing that God has had your well-being in mind since eternity. Well, how do you know that? Well, it says Christ was predestined before the foundation of the world to pay your debt. So yes, he's had <coughs> your well-being in mind since eternity. Let me give you a couple of verses. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter 1, 4, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, you all know this, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. It's just, I, I lose words. That, that God's desire was to set up man in such a position in such a position to really bestow all what we would call the inexhaustible riches that he has from heaven. He desires you to know him, to know his blessings. And ultimately you're going to be with him. The rich, when I say riches, I don't mean, mean greenback and, and coins and retirement funds. I'm talking about the riches of his grace. That's what he has want, wanted you to know this this perfect grace. And we can learn, and, 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 and it talks about some things that we're we'll, uh, um, going to be blessed with. But dear friend, when you think about this, all that God has in store for those who love Him are beyond our imagination. There is, that's why you look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is mystery to the, the, the blessings, more of what God's grace is going to give us when we leave this world. It's just, it's beyond our understanding. God has not told us all of what heaven's going to be like and what it's going to be like just to be with Him. 
I get great joy of feeling His presence when we, when we worship. Don't you? His presence is sweet and comforting and reassuring and equipping and empowering and all those things. And we can experience that here on this earth when we're surrounded by darkness and pain and struggle and temptation and all that. But imagine being in a place where sin is not welcome, the devil is cast down, and you're truly in his presence. Folks, I can't take that in. But one day I'll get to enjoy that. So you have a blessing of a future inheritance, and, and Titus said it well, our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's why His appearing is that great. Because our salvation will be complete when He calls us home. That's a deliverance from the presence of sin. And folks, the only one who has given you that, it certainly isn't me, it certainly isn't the church that gives you that. Not any amount of religion that can give you that. But a person named Jesus has given you that. And I'll say this. Let these truths motivate us to tell a world that needs to know about it. You have friends and family that needs to know that in Christ there is a predestined inheritance. Right? In Christ... We see this predestination is centered in Christ. And when you're in Christ, it is pre no one can shake this reality from you because it's predestined in Jesus. And for this to change, as I said it last week, I'll say it again, I'll probably say it a lot of many other times. For any of this to change, as far as your riches of his grace, something would have to change about Jesus. And you know what? That's impossible. No one can change the nature of my Savior or His position, His power, His authority. No one. So therefore, no one can change the predestined inheritance that I have. Can I tell you something? What's even more uh, um, amazing than the, than the inheritance that I am promised in His grace after this life? Here's something to chew on. You yourself are an inheritance to Christ. Now, that blows your mind. Think about how many times you failed him yesterday. How many times you were ashamed of him. How many times you put him last and not first. And you're, a you're still his child. He still considers you a great inheritance. And so then you come to verse 12. And you think about all of these things. Look at verse 12. That we, the believer, should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in who? This is why you praise Jesus. You don't praise any other name. You worship no other God. You worship Him and Him alone. Because it's Him alone who has provided all of these riches by His grace. All I can say is thank you, Lord. Amen? But what's better than saying thank you, Lord, is to live a life that says thank you. Jesus lived a life, died a death, and resurrected to say I love you. How much of your life being lived today is saying thank you? I love you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Love is an action verb. Do we really love him because he first loved us? I'm not talking intellectually. 
I'm talking about practically. I'm talking about by our lives. I love him. I'm in action. I'm in forward gear for Jesus because he, went, he was in action for me. That's what really what he's saying. I'm moving, right, toward the, to the mark that's set before me because Christ hit the mark that was set before him, right? I'm loving him because he first loved me. It's not words. It's your life. And I pray tonight, if you're not loving him like you should, that thinking about these riches that the Son of God has given you, all because of the sacrifice of his own self, that it will take you to a praise and worship that you have never been before. And it will take you to a life of service that you've yet uh, to live out as well. It should, shouldn't it? It should. So tonight as we stand to our feet, we'll prepare a song of invitation. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation.